listening to After the Encore, the music podcast that explores what happens after the music fades, what happens after the encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and we just finished releasing Volume 3, Dirty Pop, which focused on the boy band genre of the late 90s and early 2000s. We spoke to Chris Kirkpatrick from NSYNC, Nate Cole from Plus One, Kevin Yee from Youth Asylum, and Jacob Underwood from O-Town. And something that I've really enjoyed doing in After the Encore is exploring these themes of how do you quantify success, what happens after the music fades, and what does music mean to people. And I'm exploring my thoughts on the world, my thoughts on art, spirituality, the artistic process. I'm doing a lot of that in my questions with the guests. And something that happened at the end of volume one was my good friend and guest on volume one the stars at night natalie price um interviewed me a little bit and i cut that down to a five minute snippet left it there and feel that it's a great um, commentary on why i podcast why i'm doing after the encore in general i didn't do that for volume two this is the voice But I realized afterwards that there were a lot of things I learned from doing the volume and speaking to different guests. So I say all of that to say that after volume three ended, I realized that I wanted to have a sort of retrospective of the podcast. And so that's what I'm doing now is I'm actually invited. I've invited Nate Cole back onto the podcast to interview me a little bit about why, what my retrospective was in the entire volume. Um, So Nate's got some good questions. It's not going to go as long as a regular episode, but I think you're going to enjoy it. So stick around. I'll be right back with Nate after this. listening to After the Encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and I am here with my good friend, Nate Cole. Nate, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. <laughs> I... Better than last time. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> let's just say that. It's, it's, things, are getting, things are getting better. We have to like, in the face of adversity, you know, we gotta... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I am excited for this. Um, you and I actually had this conversation to do this um, a little while ago, and it, it was born out of a idea from, I want to give a shout out to my good friend, Natalie Price. She, when I was recording volume one, she turned the tables and recorded me speaking about what like podcasting and what art and what life means to me, what my story has been. And I, uh, condense all that into just like a little five minute footnote at the end of volume one. Um, and then the more and more I thought about 
what that has meant for me to have kind of like a commentary on my own art, so to speak. Um, it really resonated with me and it's something that I wanted to do for this volume and probably moving forward as well, just because I think, and I think you can definitely attest to this, Nate, and I know you've got some questions, we've got some talking points we'll go into, um, but I think in any body of work, you enter into the project with one mind of how you want to approach it. It changes when you're in the midst of it, but then looking back on it with hindsight, you can kind of see a clearer picture and I would say 99% of the time, it's totally different than what you entered <laughs> into the venture with. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So I'm really excited because with this volume, Dirty Pop, I even wrote down what it meant to me so I wouldn't <laughs> forget. It's just <laughs> short. But, um, you know, Dirty Pop, what I set out to do with the volume was I wanted to chart this very specific type of music, the boy, not just pop music, but the boy band genre of pop music in the late nineties and early two thousands. It was so popular and so quick on the music radar that it was a, a blip in the grand scheme of things. And we see some mm -hmm. of it cir circling back now with um, a lot of K-pop bands um, kind of being evolved. And then you see like one direction took it to another level. Yep. yep. And, but I really wanted to look at four different people and look at how success looked to various people with NSYNC and plus one and youth asylum and O town. And I really just thought like, we'll just look at it as like organic growth in sync. Um, the Christian, genres answer to it and plus one failed experiment with youth asylum and then a manufactured group that has now grown into something organically its own with o-town um but honestly it kind of it kind of changed in that what i've noticed in each of the entry points has been this continuous conversation with each of the folks yourself included on how I think we all get to a point where we think this is the thing that will make mm -hmm. me in the industry or this was mm -hmm. what, this is the peak of my career. This is the peak of my life. And then you turn around and like life still goes on. It doesn't end mm -hmm. there. It's not a movie. Yeah. And then For sure. what, what do you do from that? And I think, you know, you look at Chris, for example, um, and I'll stop talking so you can actually host it here in a second, but, uh, <laughs> no, no, that's good. but you look at Chris and he was, the, he, from his own words was the only member that didn't do anything as soon as the group ended uh, and, mm -hmm. and he didn't know he spiraled a little bit and you had yourself, um, doing various different projects, um, re like retooling plus one doing castle door, um, doing, um, releasing bad beat now releasing TX, and just kind of evolving your musical style. And then you've got Kevin that was like, okay, I did the boy band thing. Now I did the Broadway thing. Now I did the comedy thing. And really just trying to figure out like, well, where do I belong? And then you've got Jacob that's like, cool. I was in everybody's TV and everybody's living room for three years. And now mm -hmm. I'm not in a group and I'm not anywhere. And I'm in Nashville and nobody even knows who I am. Like what, what? What does that even mean for me? What does that even say? Where do I go? And I just think, I think it's something that's raw and honest and what everybody goes through, but it seems 
maybe a little bit more prevalent in this volume because of the fact that each group had this taste of success, some more than others. Um, and then it's like you are a household name, either as a group or as an individual. And then the next day you're, for lack of a better phrase, like you're not anymore. Yeah, yeah. You're a nobody. Right. <laughs> Not to be no, confused. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I I mean, honestly, this is one of the, the reasons I really admire the like you taking this on and, and, and having the concept for the show because it's not like you you lined up all these artists and I mean this the doing a retrospective thing could easily turn into like a tabloid type of a show, right? Mm-hmm. Like where you're just trying to get a gossipy hot take and you know, get get people talking again about some crazy road story or something. You know, like yeah, you, like you have a genuine interest in like what is after this perceived high point in someone's life, which yeah. is just perceived, anyways. I mean, like you, like I mean, Kevin had a whole other story. It seemed like Kevin's even like I mean, he's really had more success after the the boy band experiment, as you say. Yeah. Um, which is so so there's such a variety of experiences to be had and i think you treat each one with the same kind of curiosity regardless of like what their level of success was or is now um and that makes it way more interesting to listen to because it's like you're you it's it's all on the human the human level you know rather than like uh like somebody's on some type of pedestal or something you know definitely um yeah, I, I guess I, I should try to f- set up a first question for you. I mean, <laughs> I, I was thinking about our conversation and how you, we, we kind of like stumbled upon the similarities and the differences within a common religion. You know, like we, we had, yeah. we shared, we had the same religion growing up and there were, even though it was under the umbrella of like whatever Protestant Christian, there were a lot of things we could relate on and other things that were really different. So I guess maybe a good first question is like in this new volume under the, the pop umbrella genre, it, has there been anything that surprised you as you're exploring people's stories um, that, that feels you know, something you wouldn't have thought of? I, I guess that, you know, yeah. in the pop world. Yeah, so I think that's that's an interesting question, and I the 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 point that I always circle back to when I reflect on the volume is everybody's focus on what's the best way to say this? It's it's not just the focus on the next phase, but it's I, here. Here's what it is. I feel that every single person on this volume is very purposeful in what they're currently doing. So not to say mm-hmm. that this is the only thing that matters, but I'll give an example. Right. So Kevin, Yee talked about his purpose is raising awareness and visibility for people that are Asian and that are gay and Asian or in the LGBTQ plus community and Asian. He wants to bring more visibility and representation to different platforms. However, that manifests itself. And that is his purpose. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna, going about that by writing. He's going about that by performing. He's going about it by a few different ways. Chris's current purpose is taking a little bit of a backseat and really diving into being a father. He's doing some mm-hmm. music production. He's doing some projects. Um, and he's excited about performing and producing. But he is all in on getting to be a father. Um, and you, you released TX in quarantine. 
And that may have been, well, I guess it was a little bit before quarantine. Yeah, um, yeah it kind of was. Yeah, yeah, actually, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But, but I mean, you talking to you and getting the perspective of, you know, you want to make music, like, obviously, <laughs> I think getting the music that is commercially successful is always nice for various monetary reasons. But you talked about wanting to put music forward that is intentional and has something to say. And Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that what you're putting out is leaving a lasting legacy of, while Nate had a lot to say in the world from this perspective. And that is the vibe that I got from you about your purpose. And then also like just rounding it out, Jacob's purpose right now has been on making in a similar way to you making purposeful and intentional music, but taking something that was given to him and the other guys, O-Town, this manufactured brand, manufactured TV show that really just could have been like a one and done thing, taking it and almost reclaiming it in a sense and saying, you know, this isn't attached to Lou Pearlman anymore. This isn't attached to any of those music executives. This is our brand. This is our song. These are our, like, these are our songs. This is what we want to do. And we are evolving. We could have started over, but we are choosing to evolve our story throughout our lives and very intentional about like, we reformed for a purpose and that's to reclaim it, reclaim O-Town and make it something new and different, but still paying homage to what came before. And so I think that's it's awesome. that, that feeling of purpose of, of purposeful intent is what I noticed. And it was, there was a real driving passion behind each of it. Not that there's not passion before, but I think, I know this is long winded. I'm, I'm pulling to you on the, on the, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, oh, snap. But I think, but when I think about the takeaways from volume one and volume two, real briefly, volume one with Texas artists, you know, it was a pretty generic theme to get us started, but kind of the, the takeaway was these artists, whatever degrees of success they had, they want folks to know them by their name. And they're just excited about like spreading spreading the good news of their music beyond the state. Uh And volume two was like the artist saying, I'm not just somebody that was on a reality show. I had a career beforehand. I have a career afterwards. I want you to hear my music, not the music that they wanted me to sing to get votes every single week. And so that it was more almost, I don't want to say short term focused because it wasn't, especially some of these folks that haven't been on there since 2012, but it was very almost this feeling of, I'm still kind of, retooling and and redefining my own individual brand from something away from the NBC show. And now, Mm. but with this volume, it feels like, I think it's because everybody's speaking from this high peak of, of success is able to say, I have a new purpose and this is what I'm working towards. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was, it was very inspiring and it was very, uh, it resonated with me. It was very raw. And I think I even quoted to you that, um, Kevin taught Kevin had a quote in the episode about continuing to feel like, well, maybe this is the next thing and I, I'm chasing the next thing. I'm constantly continuously chasing yeah. the next thing. And I, and I, I told you, I said, I felt that in my bones. Like that was so raw. Like I, I yeah. very much resonate with that. Yeah. Oh, and I, and I do too. I mean, like that, that's probably one of the most relatable aspects of life is no matter how much you like work to get, your shit together 
it's like you, you, there's still unexpected twists and turns. And that, that ends up leading you, like you said, to a surprising place, surprising places that are maybe even more interesting than what you originally had in mind. Um, Definitely. I, I guess it's, is there, is there something about maybe this last volume then that has kind of distilled your vision or, or given you maybe a, a, a greater sense of like what you want to communicate mm. through the podcast? Mm-hmm. Because you're, 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 you're letting people tell their stories, but you're, you know, you have a way of, of being able to direct the conversations and shape it in a way that, um, it can, can is useful to to other people. So I don't know if there's something that that's maybe particular in particular that has given you a sense of purpose or direction with this. No, that's that's good. I, one question that I always keep at the core. I have two questions I keep at the core of this entire project. Um, and one I always ask everybody: It's what does music mean to you? And I, I love getting to see the way different people define that at the. And I think it's mm-hmm. a good opener to really drive the conversation in the right direction, um, get it started off. But the other question that I keep as a core, and it's not something that I ask, it's something I like to define by the end of the episode. And that is how do you quantify success? Because I think about the fact that like, in my view, everybody is successful and everybody is successful in what they're setting out to do with their ventures, but it looks different. And I think people can look at NSYNC and be like, well, I wasn't in sync, ergo, I'm not successful, right? Just using it as a yeah. placeholder. Yeah. But if you think about what folks have been able to accomplish on even just a micro level about, like talk about Kevin Yee specifically and talk about having a stand-up special on Hulu where it was all Asian comedians and that was something that hadn't been done before that was groundbreaking mm-hmm. and somebody saw that and was impacted by that like I know that that had to happen I don't have the immediate facts but like it statistically it had to have happened and so I want to continue to show and demonstrate by the end of each episode how each of these people we're talking to are successful but how does success look like like what does success look yeah. like to Nate versus Kevin versus Chris versus Jacob? And mm-hmm. and then I want folks to be able to take away from it, wow, I loved their story. I love how they're successful. And it's no I think I think it's easy. You know, we talk about the tabloid trappings. It would be easy to take any of these people that I have interviewed, not just for this volume, but across the board, um, and say if someone's story had ended on a quote unquote downer note with where they currently are, you could uh-huh. easily be like, oh, once famous Nate Cole, now Myers in obscurity or like, you know, some bullshit like that. Totally. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It'd be really easy to frame my my, my story that way for sure. <laughs> I'm just for using sure. it because you're here. But, but that's not... <laughs> no, but it's right. It's right, yeah. <laughs> but that's not who I am and that's not what I want the story to be. It's not a hack job. I want it yeah. to be an uplifting story Um for someone to take away and really go, wow, I did know this guy. I always wonder what happened to him. I love hearing his perspective and I'm excited to see what he does next. Whether that is, whether that's creating another album or whether that's, you know, I don't know, being a fucking beach body by demand trainer, like who knows. Right. But like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Whatever it is, it's like, I really like this person. I feel a connect. I want people to have a personal connection with whoever I'm talking to, be excited to see what's up next for them and 
be like turn off the episode feeling inspired. Yeah, and that's part of the reason I like awesome. to end the episodes with a song that I think kind of perfectly captures the person I'm talking to. Um, because music is so, is so coded into our DNA that mm-hmm. it, you can't ha- help but have an emotional response at the end of the episode. And I think you could just end it with the interview ending and that would be fine. And everybody does that. Like I do that with my other show, but mm-hmm. by taking a moment, it's almost like a audio exhale from what you just heard. Usually yeah, yeah, these episodes yeah. are like two hours or an hour and a half long or whatever. So you've been listening for a yeah. while unless you chop it up and you're excited, you're inspired and you want to just kind of sit back and reflect on what you just heard. And so you get uh-huh. to hear a song like Cool Crushing or a song like Drive Myself Crazy or whatever, and you're connected uh-huh. to the person that you just heard, but in musical form. And then you're kind of, it just locks it in. It locks that thought in to where you kind of leave with that positive feeling. I, I used to get, I used to have neck um, uh, a neck injury a long time ago and the only way that I was able to get over, I saw this really great physical therapist and he did uh, adjustments, but he wouldn't just do adjustments. He would, he would have you come in like an hour before your appointment, do these stretches and exercises. Then he would do, you know, like a five minute, 15 minute crack and pop. But then he would have you go and do other exercises to lock in the adjustment because his goal mm. was, I don't want you to have to come back to me. I want us to like be done. Cause a lot of chiropractors are like, well, the more you come back, the more money I make. But he was so yeah, committed to sure. his patient's well being that he would set it up. So that way your adjustments would lock in and you would make incremental progress every time you went to where now I don't have neck pain anymore. And, and I was told I would always have neck pain for the rest of my life when I first got my injury. And Whoa. And so that's what I want to do with these interviews is I want to like, you know, get you excited by playing that like song at the beginning and playing them throughout Mm -hmm. and you get to hear the interview. And then I want to lock in that interview with that song. So that way you're like just a little bit changed and shifted every time you listen to it. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And I mean, I, and yeah, I mean, your tone is so positive throughout, um, throughout all the episodes. And I, I think that that's like a, it's a refreshing, you know, I mean, I, I listen to all kinds of like political podcasts that, yeah. you know, at the, at the end of the day, like so, sometimes I think it's totally beneficial and, and expanding my worldview and other times it's like starting a war in my head, you know, yeah. and like, I think that this is a good break from that. And, and at the same time, you know, you're not avoiding any tough topics you know what i mean or any or anything that's difficult about someone's life or story like you said you're still you're still acknowledging those things and um but it's more about the sharedness of those things like how we relate to each other through those stories rather than how they make us different you know right (laughs) i mean that that's kind of like that's really one of my favorite aspects of what what you're doing is you can kind of hear how you, how you're exploring your own identity through the stories of the guest, right? So yeah. like you you have you have as much in common with a, a queer Asian person like Kevin as as you do with me, a straight white dude or whatever. Right. Like yeah. w- the the focus is on the the humanity and the the shared experience because and that's like a fully like breath of fresh air right now because yeah. you know so much of the focus on identity now is to 
show how how we're different you know like yeah. all these titles are really flimsy actually they don't mean much like right. straight and white it, those are the things that just happen to be the the luck of the draw for me you know what i mean right. i didn't do anything to be straight or white so that's pretty boring you know and um well, yeah. the way that you the way that you speak with people is 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 finding that that common thread and like pulling apart those layers that um that do it it makes honestly even your interest in the guest is really genuine you know um yeah. like you can tell it, it w w at the end like i felt i felt that it makes it better for you and me both you know and right. the listener that like um it, it's just it felt really honest and uh and yeah it, it does seem to be focused on positivity which is something we need you know yeah it's definitely no, something we need I appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words. And I mean, I mean, truthfully, mm -hmm. I'm always geeking out and I'm excited to talk to whoever I'm, I'm talking to, but I'm trying to maintain a level of professionalism and decorum for sure. But <laughs> it's, you know, it's something where it was like, you know, I, I, I've listened to, you can find interviews on like, you know, the local pop stations or Sirius XM or really anywhere where it's like, an artist is coming on to promote their stuff. It's 15 minutes of fluff or whatever. And they play the song or the artist plays, plays a song in studio or whatever. Those are great. They're necessary. We appreciate them. We take them for what they are. Um, but I was always put off by what I felt was like a surface level understanding of who the person was and didn't yeah. ever really dig down deep into, into who they were. I remember watching an interview, um, there were two interviews I was thinking about when I was prepping for this volume. One I watched with you of you and I'll tell you in a second. And one I watched of Chris and Chris was on the local radio station here. And this is about a year or two ago. I think it was about a year ago. And he was hyping a concert that he was doing with a couple of other folks for some pop tour. And you know, the 15 minute interview segment was five minutes of him talking about the show, obviously. Um, five minutes of mm -hmm. them asking like super cheesy questions like when is NSYNC getting back together? Um, what was your craziest road memory? What is Justin Timberlake really like? Like those were the actual questions. And then Shit. the final wow. five minutes was we've been doing this really fun, crazy, like guess who has the better slang thing in studio today. And we want you to, to judge it. And I'm like, I felt like that was a huge waste of his time, but I mean, but that's, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, a morning totally. It was a morning local radio show, so like you know, it's it was what it was. What do you it, expect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people who listened to that got exactly what they wanted, and it was fine. Mm -hmm. And there's no no shade, no shame, no shade. Um, it was fine, but I just felt like I, there's so much I want to know about who he is. And like you listen to it, and you find out not only did he start in sync, but like there was another member that was his buddy that he had to kick out of the group, and then you know he was the one that was going around and gathering people together, and he spiraled out a little bit when NSYNC was done. He didn't know where to go. And like, he didn't want to do a reality show, yeah. but he did it because his buddy was like, I don't have anything left. I need this. I need you with me. Like, Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 And like, yeah. that's, that's not stuff you just get by fluff. That's stuff you got to dig down deep. And that is stuff that resonates with people. And I saw an interview with you <laughs> and I laughed because oh, no. it was, su it was such a I'm cringy scared. interview and it wasn't your fault. It was the interviewer's fault. Um, it was when you, uh, when y'all were a three piece, so you, Nathan and Gabe, and you were at, I think a college campus and you were hyping, um, the Exodus. 
Exodus. And uh-huh. and the per- this woman, God, I don't think she'd ever interviewed anybody Dude, before. It yeah, like- I, I know exactly because this just surfaced. I didn't even yeah. know this interview existed. Like, I, I kind of vaguely remember it now because I'm watching it back and I'm like, yeah. oh, I could kind of remember this just because it was super awkward. Yeah, like, yeah, y'all so, did the- totally cringy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> y'all did your best, but I just remember watching it, and they were just like, "So what? So what is the song that you are going to, or what is the yeah. purpose <laughs> of the album? Do you listen to Backstreet Boys as well? <laughs> yeah, we really liked Millennium. That is so cool. Um, so what are you going to do next? And <laughs> oh, no. wow, it's it just yeah. felt really. But that was another thing where I was like, okay, like the first one was somebody that is a trained, paid like radio host who does these interviews all the time and I didn't feel like it gave me what I wanted. And then same was someone that asked the same type of questions, but you know, is newer to doing this, but it still didn't satisfy one. And I was like, I want to know like, what does Nate do? Where is he going? How does he get from plus one to TX? Like what, that is a huge leap from yeah. one to the other. Where does that journey yeah. come in? And I was not disappointed. It was fantastic. <laughs> no, that's cool. And, I, and, I, and, and, you know, all those, those like, like a morning show or, you know, I think people, people really underestimate the attention span that people have. Um, I mean, you know, you look at like the, one of the number one podcasts in the world, Joe Rogan goes on for like three hours, you know? Right. And like, people are listening to those entire episodes. Like, that's a long time, you know? But like, if you, if you, there is something nice about not having to get get a snippet in, you know, it lets the people relax and lets you kind of actually ping pong off the person rather than I have to hit these bullet points. And, you know, you actually get, you actually get somewhere a little more naturally. Um, right. So yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I would much rather, you know, listen and be a part of something where you could settle in like this and right. just actually have a conversation. Yeah, D- definitely. Um, you know, I, I think, and I'm thinking about moving on into volume four and um, I'll just go ahead and I was going back and forth on whether or not I wanted to tee it up here, but I'll go ahead and do it because, uh, you know, I, I will say this much like um, <laughs> uh, professional wrestling pay-per-views or boxing matches card subject to change. But um <laughs> Uh, right now, the theme for Volume 4 is actually former Christian bands. And I think you could originally hear that and be like, what? That seems pretty one note. You're only going to have people that did Christian music. And it's like, no, I'm actually, we're going to have, um, so I have already, I, I can confirm this because it's already it's already done and dusted. Um, recorded with Jason Dunn, lead singer of Hawk Nelson. And Hawk Nelson at one time toured with Plus One on the Exodus tour. And yeah, yep. he has a funny story about... Um, hating plus one originally. Um, <laughs> but now, but then like realizing that everybody that y'all had more in common than you did not. And then y'all became close. Um, and, and so that's super funny, but Jason's story is interesting because what I want to explore. So he fronted Hawk Nelson up until I think 2012, 2014, I think it was 2012, if I recall correctly. And so he no longer fronts Hawk Nelson and he, um, talks about some struggling with the fact that he was the lead singer and he left and they chose to keep his name and somebody else slid into the lead singer spot. And that was really difficult for him to kind of come to grips with. It. It's like 
this group continued on without you and somebody else is singing all the songs that you used to sing and that is a strange that's like become almost like this like the common way in christian music christian yeah. music which is really weird yeah like newsboys and dc talk both did that yeah. and, by, and by audio journaling uh, yeah it's, it's like i don't know yeah that, I, that rubs me the wrong way too i don't love that right but I think what, what's going to be interesting to explore in volume four is you've got people that all used to front Christian bands that um, I would say only one of them is in existence now. And that's Hawk Nelson. And that's because it's a totally different entity. Um, the rest are no longer uh, active. And I would say two, if I recall correctly, um, well, I'll just say it this way. I'll say it this way is that the idea of what Christianity is looks very different to each of the four individuals um, mm. and their experience within the quote unquote Christian music genre, as well as what religion and spirituality means to them. So it will be a really fascinating discussion with all four individuals. And it's something that I think will resonate well um, with the listener. And even if you're somebody that has, you know, never listened to Christian music are not never had any history being Christian or maybe you are and you're skeptical about my approach to it. I assure you, if you've liked any of the other episodes, it will be the same type of cadence and same type of approach. We're just looking at it through a very specific lens. And as Nate said, I'm as much exploring more about my own life and identity and history as I am highlighting all of these individual artists and, and their work. So Nate knows everybody that's on the book. So I know that he's excited. He definitely helped to give me <laughs> some inspiration and ideas for a few of them. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm excited to to hear that one. It's like I could have been in that one too, actually. I could have. I know. Been, I know. <laughs> I could have been in that one. No, but it's good. I'm I'm glad it it worked out the way it did. But yeah, that that'll be good. I mean, it's it, it's a endlessly fascinating topic. I feel like. Um, yeah. And and I I think it like you said it doesn't matter if you're even really into the if you knew of the bands at all it'll still be interesting on a on a just a story level you know. And I, um, and I believe that all of them, I would need to go back and double check this. So I might be speaking out of turn, but I'm fairly confident that all four of them played at Cornerstone Music Festival at one point in time. Probably, and, yeah. And that was a pretty big deal in the Christian music circles. It was essentially the Woodstock for Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, and so it'll be interesting getting kind of a little exploration for that um and i just think and you know I, I know we're probably like right at the time that we had said um yeah, <laughs> so i apologize okay. we're going a little bit over um but what i think is interesting is you had talked with me about about this idea when we were done recording and we were kind of ping-ponging and doing a little bit of our own internal retrospective about the episode and you encouraged me to to if it worked out possibly do a volume around Christian music because of my backstory and, and growing up in the religion and listening to this music and being able to uh, speak to, and also working a family Christian, but being able to speak to it in a way that is a little bit that I think is needed when you're talking about this music. So what I mean is I can understand plus one's plate. We'll use plus one as an example. I can understand plus one's placement in the pop culture realm better than somebody who didn't grow up listening to that music can. 
you know, someone uh-huh. looking outside in is going to go, oh, okay, they were the Christian in sync. Got it. Yeah. And yeah. just approach it from that lens. Whereas I'm saying, yeah, they were created that way, but they were so much more. And you don't understand how much it resonated with myself and my friends when most of them couldn't listen to secular music. And this was like, this was everything. This was yeah. the group that we listened to. These are the CDs we bought. These are the concerts we went to. It was a whole nother level than just, oh, they're the Christian version of blank. Yeah. 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 For sure. And, and, uh, and, and also the ones that, that do know, do know it on that same level that you're talking about that are listening. I've already got a lot of feedback from people who, who I could tell it, it came as a surprise, maybe the, the, the depth that we like got into the, the religious aspect of it and like how transparent that conversation was. And I think I, I had people hit me up that are, are kind of like closeted atheists, you know, that like can't have these conversations with their family members because they, you know, out of fear of just being totally ostracized, which is real, which I've had friends that have kind of had those experiences, you know, uh, where it it just really draws a divide. And, and so that's a really, it's like, I've been thinking about that lately too. It's like, there are some things like I would never like encourage somebody if they were uncomfortable to, to, to say a tough thing, if it didn't feel right or at the right time, like, you know, to pressure somebody in that way, because you really don't know, like, like how, how necessary is it for, for your grandma, your grandma's on her deathbed. And she's like, you know, like, yeah, Nate, just, are you a Christian or whatever? It's like, does she need to know that you, that you maybe have doubts about the faith? Like, nah, it's not that it's not a necessity necessity at that point um right i totally so, agree like i think i think that the like conversations that are really open around this topic they bring out a lot of these like worries and like things that are just kind of like laying heavy on people you know right and if yes. you hear somebody just talk about it like no nah, i'm talking about this like i would talk about any other topic you know like there um and that just there's something really freeing about that and i had a like yeah a lot of really encouraging uh, feedback after doing the episode. So I, I'm excited to, for, for you to like take it new, new places, you know? Um, and you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what the other people where they've landed with this stuff. Yeah, no, I'm very excited. And I definitely echo your sentiments. I think by normalizing these types of conversations, it, it allows, it, it, it invites people into that discussion to where, hey, it's okay. We're ha- we're having this conversation on public platform. It's totally okay for you to have it too. Engage with us. Engage yeah. with your friends. It's cool. It's okay. It's all right. It's so um, cool. And they all, it invites people in, and it encourages and empowers them to have their own conversations um, in their own way. Yeah. And truthfully, I, I mean, that. it was for me with some with not just spirituality, but other other instances in my life. It was by hearing somebody either at a talk or on a podcast where they were discussing these very complex feelings and emotions and situations in a very normal, casual, conversational way that made me go, oh, this is okay to talk about. Didn't realize it was on the okay list. Thought it was on the <laughs> the, the bad list this whole time. Yeah. Taboo list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and the, the danger with that is that whatever is the narrative that's being pushed that you're afraid to like to to kind of um combat a little bit you know and like dig dig into it 
that that just keeps getting stronger without it, it the debate is necessary you know like yeah. there's so many ways to to think about all the things and especially things like religion um there's just so many ways to think about it and that should be fun yeah. to me it's like let's 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 talk about it this is cool what do you think here's what i think and then like the the um your you're able to form your ideas in ways that actually have more power you know yeah um and and yeah and and it just it builds a sense of community with your friends like it, it disagreeing about religion does not have to be how you choose your friend group you know what i mean right like i mean it kind of it it literally was growing up in in some ways you know and there's like um but but yeah it's just the suppression of of um conversation and the freedom to talk about things is it's just it's like it's it's not progress you know and uh it's kind of like even like with sex or something like you know when you're a kid and like that was like a no-no topic, and it's like, oh, what happens to all the kids that suppress their their questions about sex? Well, they end up getting into a lot of actual trouble that could have been avoided, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think it's it's healthy and it's fun, and yeah, I I'm all about it. We got, <laughs> let's get into it, you know? I'm excited. It'll be it'll be really good. It'll be really exciting. Um, and uh on a personal note. So I always tell, I'll, I'll wrap with this and we can, and go, um, and, and in this retrospective, but, um, I always tell people, so truthfully growing up, I went to two concerts, um, within one or two weeks of each other, boom, boom, back to back. And they are, they were magical. They were transformative in their own ways. And they shaped my love of music to an entirely different level. And I always tell people about the second one I went to, um, which was Blink-182, Cypress Hill, and Taking Back Sunday, because everybody knows mm-hmm. those groups. And that's easy for mm-hmm. people to identify. Like, oh, yeah, cool, that's awesome. Um, I don't tell people about the first concert I went to because I didn't because the majority of people I'm talking to don't know any of these groups. And I'm excited that two of the people that I saw in that concert were talking to on the volume. And so that will be a really fun and interesting experience for Whoa. me. So yeah, I'll, that's I'll leave people cool. I'll leave, leave people with a teaser of that um, so they can get excited and be like, who was it? Well, they were definitely Christian bands um, and it was a mm-hmm. Christian tour. But I will tell you, um, there was a little a little tiny band that opened for them. I'm not sure if anybody are familiar with it. They're called Sanctus Real. They opened for these two guys. So, uh, yeah, Sanctus nice. Real. Now people can do a little yeah. research. <laughs> yeah. That's so, good. San- I yeah, like so, it. Sanctus Real opened for them. They are not going to be featured on the on the volume, but they opened for mm-hmm. the other two of the other uh, guys that are going to be on there. So it'll be good. But yeah, Nate, this has been great. Um, as always, if you can tell people what is the best way for them to follow you, so they can keep up with all of your musical stylings. Uh, yeah, I would say in- Instagram still the the best way. Mine mine's uh, Nate underscore Cole, and uh. I'm on there every now and again. I'll like play a little song in the stories or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll, if I'm doing anything when I have new music to post, I'll I'll talk about it there. Perfect. All right. Well, you've been listening to After the Encore, and uh, you know, I usually will end with a song, and I'm going to do that as well. I'm going to end with a with a Nate Cole song, and we're actually going to end with the David Crush Fan Club. 
So that uh, oh, nice. So that's the one that we're going to end with uh, for this one because I feel like Sweet. it accurately captures the uh, the vibe of this retrospective and set, teases up nicely for volume four. Sweet, love it. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. podcast is powered by Roberts Media Group, your resource for podcast development. For more programming and advertising opportunities, please visit us at robertsmediagroup.co.